0: Originally episode 25, 2458, it was entitled Dropping the Denominator. And this one is just less than a year old today. Uh, it's uh, 11 months and change, right? And this is an interesting one because it, it reminded me when I selected it for today that last year, when I took the same vacation that we're on this year, I took it earlier in the year than I did this year. We took it later in the year this year. Uh, because this show was actually developed while walking on the beach with Doc Bones and Nurse Amy and my wife. And we were talking about a lot of things going wrong in society and how it really was a failure of leadership at the individual level of people and how le- leadership requires a certain amount of discipline, uh, intelligence, logic, reason, uh, critical thinking. And it, if you don't have those things, you can't lead. And, and, and that's not necessarily lead a group of, or a team lead yourself. And it, it, the the number one way you can control a group or a population or an entire nation is remove as much individual leadership from it as you can, because people are hungry for leadership. The less people are capable of doing something, the faster they will follow anybody that leads, even if that person doesn't really seem to know what they're doing. And you can think about that. Let's say that we have a, a building And you're inside it, and there's there's 150 people inside and all of a sudden smoke, flames, fire, heat. Clearly the building's on fire. You're not really sure which way it's coming from. Nobody really knows where the exits are, what have you. They all got kind of disoriented into there together. And one person says, this way out, and starts hauling ass. Without questioning that person at all, most people will head in that direction. They'll assume this person must know what they're doing, and... The combination of not having an answer themselves and feeling that they're in a desperate situation will compound that leadership. Conversely, if you knew the building well and you knew that was the wrong direction, you would yell to everybody, no, he's wrong, come this way, and you would go. And if if you could only get half the people to go with you, you'd say the people you could get to go with you. You wouldn't go chasing them down the wrong direction if you're smart because you know in a fire you're probably going to die. In fact, you might get out and maybe if you knew enough you'd go try to find a way to get them out from the outside or let somebody know what they've done. But the fact that you knew enough to know the decision was wrong was enough for you to depart from that leadership. But the fact that you didn't was enough for you to follow that leadership blindly. So We're kind of tying back into yesterday a little bit. All of these shows linked together and all of the steps that I'm giving you and your 13 steps or 13 stomps to get what you want kind of linked together. So let's get to today's step. And today's step, if you just read this list and you looked at it and you ranked it on how difficult or how easy each one of these would be, you would rank this one, if you didn't have a deeper understanding of of where they all come from, as being one of the easiest Because I'm going to ask you to do today what you did yesterday. With one difference, it has to be a different thing. Remember, yesterday I told you to review your how can I questions and grill yourself about how you're going to get them done and add to them and pick one and do one thing. Didn't have to be a big thing, just had to be anything. You had to take some meaningful action toward getting one thing you wanted in your life. And I mean, it could have been really simple. It could have been, I need to know more about this thing. And so you did research into that thing and you acquired knowledge. And that start, and then you went back to your list and started making notes, right? You did one thing. Maybe it wasn't a big thing, but you did a thing. And I said it would flip a switch. Here's the problem. It's not exactly like I told you yesterday, like the Matrix. It's very easy when you take that first step to then convince yourself it really wasn't that big of a deal and to go back to sleep, to let the cords plug back into your mind and go back to doing what you're doing. The the old saying, right, from Confucius, I believe, is that the, every great journey begins with a single step. Well, let me add some modern spiritualism to that. But the journey does not become real until the second one is taken. So what I'm going to ask you to do today is take one more step. And it should be easy because you've already done it. You've already taken a step, so all you have to do is do it again. But this is going to be where the rubber meets the road for most people. This is going to be where it actually becomes a little bit difficult. Because when you take I want you to think about this in, in in real terms, you're standing in a place. You put your left or your right foot forward, depending on which one you step off on, you take a step. Where's your other foot? Where's your other foot? Isn't it right where you've always been? Have you gone anywhere when you take a single step? You haven't. You've put your right foot in, your left foot in, you're playing the hokey pokey. You can always shake it all about and pull it back out. You have not left the place that you started at when you've taken a step. When you, If you put your left foot out, and you take a step. What happens when you pick up your right foot and put it in front of your left? Now you've moved. Now you've moved. Yesterday, you probably picked something that was really, really easy to do. You behaved like... And I don't mean this in an insulting way. This is psychology, guys. Okay, I use metaphors to make things clear. You put your foot in the water of the pool to test the temperature... Like a child. And again, it's not an insult. Sometimes I call people adult children. It's very insulting because I mean it. It's not insulting. Just like the child, though, you've, you've tested the waters. To get into the pool, the other foot must come off the deck. Do that today. And I was about to say something that was really stupid, and I caught myself and I didn't say it. But I'm going to tell you what it was. It doesn't count, though, because I'm telling you, it I don't mean it. I was going to say do that for me. That was a dumb thing for me to say. You're not doing this for me. Do that for yourself. Get in the pool today. Actually take the second step. Once you've taken the second step, you've left home base. It's still possible to turn around and run back like somebody trying to steal second off of first. But it's easier not to. Once you've made that commitment... Once you've made that commitment to jump, it's easier to just keep going. And if you get tagged out, so what? You learn from it. You know what you do when you get tagged out after trying to steal second base? You go back to the dugout, you get ready. When your turn comes, you get up to bat, and you swing again. It's really easy when it's baseball. It's really easy. Life is a lot like baseball. It really is. There are times when we get to swing for the fences, and there's times when we really have to lay down a grounder down the third baseline. There's times to bunt. But you know what you never do? You know what you never do? If you're in the game, you never go down looking. Whatever the shot is, a bunt, A line drive, a sacrifice fly, a solid double, or swinging for the fences. Whatever the right thing is, you take the effing shot. One step is easy, but it leads nowhere because you're still anchored at home. Put the second foot forward today. Do that for yourself. And with that, let's go ahead and rewind back. Originally episode 2548, Dropping the Dominator. Originally and first published on June the 25th, 2019. This is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't. Today is June the 25th, 2019. This is episode 2,458 of the Survival Podcast. And it's going to be a good one today. It's going to be a Just Jack show. Uh, Tuesdays, we generally do Just Jack shows. Occasionally there's a change or a shift. But this is where we take a single subject We dive into it, and we uh, either learn a lot, have fun, or maybe do both, or sometimes even get a little bit angry. And I think we're going to have a little bit of all of that today. I teased the title of today's show at the end of yesterday's. It's called Dropping the Denominator. And that might sound like a mathematical show. I don't think I've ever really done a show on math. And we've used a lot of math over the years. We've never done a show like, let's break down this mathematical concept. No, um, not a math teacher. Don't want to be paraphrasing a former president. Not going to do it. (laughs) Wouldn't be prudent, right? (laughs) Uh, Some of you know who that is and some of you are too young. Anyway, um, what I mean by denominator here is I'm talking about a colloquialism that we use in society, the lowest common denominator. And while that is actually a mathematical concept, it it gets used to describe, well, the worst performing, lowest level, dumbest, depending on what we're ranking people on, in a group. So if I'm presenting information and I want it to be understood by everybody, I have to present to the least intellectual person in the group. When I was in the Army, with a, a modicum of, hey, we're going to go at least this fast, uh, when we would run in formation, you run at the speed of the slowest man. So the guy that you know could make uh, four miles but had to run an 11-minute pace or a 12-minute-a-mile pace to do it, well, that's what we ran. And you know, they break in other groups and things like that. They have a fast group, a middle group, and a slow group. But... Whoever was the slowest guy in your group, as long as he didn't get ridiculous and start walking or something, um, you you ran to his level. And actually, there's some validity to the lowest common denominator theory in that if I am teaching in front of a classroom, if I speak at the level of only the most um, switched-on students, everybody else suffers. When I used to do presentations on cable testing, for instance, had people in the audience of maybe 500 people talking about things like near and far end crosstalk who'd been doing cabling work their whole lives, went to these discussions because they got continuing education credits for their certifications, but really didn't understand it. And by breaking it down to the lowest common denominator, that doesn't mean making it fit for the stupid, but using analogies that allowed the people that had the least understanding to understand Everybody knew more by the time it was over. The people that knew what, knew what understood it very well knew better how to teach it. And the people that never understood it finally would come to me and say things like, I finally get it. It finally makes sense. But there's another way the lowest con- common denominator is used in society. And that is the idiots. And what happens in a society as a whole is groupthink. And... You either have one of two things. You have a society that strives for excellence, that strives to do more, that strives to do better, that strives to think beyond the simplistic, and therefore everybody, including the people at the bottom, are lifted up. Or what more often happens is the stupid is showcased, and the stupid drag the rest of society down. And then the only way to not be drugged down is to cut the tether and operate on your own. And, and that's what we're going to talk about today, because we are going to talk about the systematic and symptomatic way that our society has been dumbed down over, especially, I feel, the last 30 years. But you know this show. If we don't talk about fighting the current stupidity and doing something for ourselves and for our family and our friends that want to be part of doing something better Then all we've done is bitch about problems without looking at solutions, and we always look to solutions. So that's what we're going to talk about today. This show will go in the Insurrection and Lifestyle Design series of the show tags, and I think that uh, if you like it and you're new to the show, you you can go by the episode today. Again, look it up at 2458, and then the bottom of the episode, you'll see tags. And if you look up the Insurrection and lifestyle design tags. You'll see other shows that are in this vein. Let's get into this topic of uh, dropping the denominator again. If I wanted to give this show a more accurate title, I would probably call it lowering the common denominator, with the subtitle title of the dumbing down of America. But as a marketer, I just kind of thought that the dropping the denominator sounded a little bit cooler and a little bit more clickbaity. So that's why I used it. But it is what we're talking about today. And I've mentioned this before, so I'll kind of be brief in the intro, and then we're going to go through ways this has happened. But everything you really need to know about how dumbed down the American people are can be seen in pharmaceutical advertising. I, I just want you to bear with me a second. If you're old enough to be able to do this little exercise anyway, and if you're not, just trust me that... What I'm going to tell you in conclusion is the truth. I want you to go back a few decades, let's say around 1990, 19 to 1995. And I want you to imagine that podcasting existed back then and it didn't. um, And that I had a podcast and that you tuned in for the first time and listened to me. And I said the following to you about 1992-ish. In a few decades, the pharmaceutical industry will adopt the following advertising practice. Most commercials will be um, set to 70s and 80s pop songs that were top 40 music, made into really cheesy uh, versions thereof. Uh, People will be seen frolicking happily through fields that have lymphoma and other horrible and sometimes fatal diseases because they'll be happy about it. People with depression will be depicted as happy as they listen to this crappy music. All of the drugs will be named things that are plays on words so that you will buy into it. Things like Entresto will sound like it's trustworthy. And pretty much every commercial will use some cheesy version of this formula. Not only that, the advertising will be so effective that the majority of advertising on TV, compared to all the other niches, will be, in fact, pharmaceutical advertisements. You will be literally unable to watch a a, a major channel and go through one sitting of advertisement uh, in between uh, the, the the segments of the show you're watching without seeing at least one, if not two, pharmaceutical ads. And as bad as this stuff will be, it will work, and you'll know that it's working because they'll be spending billions of dollars to advertise this way. Those that break out from the, uh, the, the jingles will use something like a stupid turkey walking around, uh, using a weed eater and getting mail, and teaching you how to quit Cigarettes by not quitting, quitting cold turkey, but quitting slow turkey. And this type of hokum and nonsense will become the dominant form of advertising in the pharmaceutical industry. And not only will it become that, it will work very, very well. You would think, I don't know who this guy is, but I'm never listening to him again. Because this, this mf doesn't know nothing about what he's talking about. There's no possible way that that's going to work. And if I went on to say that this type of advertising would be adopted across major industries as a whole, one way or another, and that literally Madison Avenue would kind of come together and decide to lower advertising to the sixth grade level across the board. And doing so would prove so effective that there would be so much money poured in advertising that they would literally be able to grow the ad inventory that stopped growing. You see, about the mid '90s, we had kind of like almost all of the channels that we have now. They were there. Like cable became a thing, and we had all these channels. And the advertiser, uh, advertising agencies, had done really, really well because now instead of having four or five stations they could advertise on, they had you know a couple hundred, and they had been able to grow their market share. So they really loved that period of about, like, let's say, 82 up to about 95 because they had all this growth potential. You could literally get more money from your clients to do their advertising because you had more places to spend their money. But as they plateaued, they would need to actually make the advertising far more effective. So the companies would throw so much more money at them that they could literally buy more inventory. They could actually convince the networks, hey, look, instead of showing 25 minutes of a show if you guys show 20 minutes of a show, that's 10 minutes of advertising per half hour, then we can buy more ads and you guys can get more money and that it would work so well that it would happen. You would say, whoever this Jack guy is, he is a complete and total idiot. But isn't that what we have today? Now, what I'd like to tell you is that this marketing formula that Madison Avenue has executed so efficiently is part of, like, this planned attack to dumb you down. It might have a little bit of that to it, but basically, you're getting the advertising you deserve. And I know you as an individual might not be, but as a society, just like we get the politicians we deserve, we get the advertising we deserve. People use advertising because it works. It, it costs a lot of money to produce a commercial. It costs a lot of money to air it on Fox News. Not as much money to air it on CNN as the ratings tank, but it costs a lot of money. I certainly don't have the money to, uh, to bankroll an advertising campaign uh, on any major cable network myself to grow my show with. And if I was going to do it, I would have to know that it's going to work. And if I came up with the money and spent it, it damn well better work or I'm not spending more. They're doing this because it works. They have you watching a frickin' turkey cut the grass and weed eat and check his mail because it actually convinces people to try their drug in order to quit another drug, nicotine, in the form of cigarettes. That's why they're doing it. Now, we have to accept that for that to be the case... That the, the masses have been dropped in intelligence. IQ points have literally been chiseled off of society. And that's great because, well, you know, my photo today that's featured in the podcast is a well-known quote from George Carlin, who, of course, became most famous in the 1970s as part of Saturday Night Live when Saturday Night Live was actually funny and actually took the piss out of both sides. And here's what George Carlin said about governments and people and thinking and dumbing down. Governments don't want a population capable of critical thinking. They want obedient workers, people just smart enough to run the machines and just dumb enough to passively accept their situation. And that's exactly what government wants. The more you think, the harder you are to govern And the entire way government grows, expands power and therefore authority and gets what it wants, almost like a living entity in of itself, is through people thinking they need more government. So if I'm selling you bubble gum and you buy a pack of bubble gum a week and I want to sell more bubble gum and the easiest thing I can do is sell to my existing market, this is a basic marketing strategy, I have to convince you you need more bubble gum. It's actually easier for me to convince the people that already chew bubble gum they need more than to convince people that don't chew bubble gum to start chewing bubble gum. So I'll come up with a new flavor. I'll get dentists to say, my bubble gum protects your teeth. I'll come up with some bullshit about how bubble gum helps you lose weight. I'll do whatever I can, and I'll market it to my existing customer base and say, you need two packs of bubble gum a week. And when you start buying two packs, I'll shoot for three. I'll keep going until I can get you on seven packs a day. If I'm the tobacco industry, maybe three packs a day. See how that works. This is how we grow anything. You convince the people that are already partaking in it that they need more. Well, the way government grows, and if you look at the growth of government, you can see it is absolutely exponential over the decades. The size of government today dwarfs anything. The people could conceive of in, let's say, 1975, well, I think most of us that are logical would agree government was already too big. But we have to convince people they need more. And the way you can be- convince people they need more of something that's designed to provide for them is to convince them that they can't possibly provide for themselves. So there has been a concerted effort, and at the same time there has been a logical, systematic, and symptomatic Adaptation as we have gotten dumbed down, so as we have become dumbed down there's been efforts to dumb us down more. But then industry and government and society has simply adapted to those dumbed down people and delivered to the lowest common denominator. In doing so, they created a spiral, like a little black hole sucking people into the you know the, the epitome of stupidity, okay? It's like a little stupid black hole for stupid people at the bottom, and it's just sucking everybody slowly in over the event horizon unless you kind of kick the warp engines in and get out. That's what we're going to do in the second half of the show. So how has this been done? One of the main ways has been in our education system, and we can beat up Common Core all you want, but I'm almost 50 now, and this was done even when I was in school, especially with mathematics, We have taught people that the method is more important than the result. That if you can look at a mathematical problem and determine the answer in your head, that's only worth maybe 10% of the score. The other 90% is in demonstrating how you got there. And if you demonstrate it in a way different than the way that you were taught, you're wrong. Well, see, the thing about mathematics is it doesn't work that way. We've created an artificial environment where we judge it that way, but it doesn't work that way. Mathematics is amazing at what it can do for society because it is an absolute. There is an answer. Even if the answer is a variable or a range, there is an answer. We can actually look at it and say this either is or is not factual. Judging how we get there is not completely useless because there has to be a method by which you get there. And sometimes if you look at a mathematical problem, you can do a certain way. If it becomes more complex without having the steps learned, you can't go to the next level of complexity. But the concept that how you do something is more important than the result you get. So the person could get a B, even if all the answers were wrong, in a math class. And they got everything right until the last step. In a lot of math classes in America today, and even when I was in school... You could have ended up with a B. Conversely, you could have got all the answers right and failed. And that's, it's really concrete math. But we've basically done that in the education system as a whole. We've done it to the point now where when you hire a young person to work for you, they are so absolutely like consumed with being observed and validated at every step. They can't function. They, they have to have someone say, step one was right, Johnny. You can go on to step two now. Ah, you got step two right. Now go on to step three. When it's something they've done a 100 times, they don't need you to tell them how to do it. They've been conditioned to think that way. And once you become conditioned to think that way, you're no longer capable of self-directed learning. And therefore, you simply take what you're given, and therefore, whoever's giving it to you controls how much you get. Welcome to America Today. Next, everything has become a labeled illness or disorder or condition and then celebrate it. Right? So, if you let's look at gluten intolerance as a simple example of this. Gluten intolerance is the thing. There are people that legitimately, if they get too much gluten, they have health issues. It's also been a thing people have grabbed onto and claimed that they have a problem with that really don't. Or some people have a little bit of gluten intolerance, but then it becomes all-consuming, and they expect you to know before they, you even meet them that, gee, they, you better keep gluten out of their orbit. Well, let's say 30 years ago, someone had figured out they were gluten intolerant. Well, they would have been like, Pummer can't have bread, or pasta, or whatever, right? And, like, if you met somebody that said gluten man, sorry about your luck. Now it's like a club. It's like a club. I'm the, I'm the gluten intolerant. Like it's cool to be like have this problem. If a person is sad, then we're going to de- say that they're depressed, and we're going to give them a medication, and now they're going to go get therapy. And now it's cool. When we have women that have been legitimately abused by men sexually, we created the Me Too movement. But then it almost became like a club that people wanted to be part of. You can't have a society that does this, that makes bad things cool, that makes bad things good, or that even if they're still bad, there's something you want to be part of, and you're proud to be part of, and not have it become stupider. It's just, it's just a natural result. And at the same time, the next thing done is actual mental disorders are considered normal. Now You guys know me. I am 100% a voluntarist. I'm a pure libertarian, which means I am also an anarchist. I think that if you want to live as a dog and have implants done that makes it look like you have dog tits on your belly, you should be able to do that. And if someone's willing to be part of your delusion and walk you around on a leash and pick up your poop, as long as you're not pooping on my floor or my property, you should be able to do whatever you want. But frankly, if you got franks and beans and you think you are actually a woman, you have a mental illness called gender dysphoria. Now, if you want to live as a chick, that's fine. If you want to find a dude that thinks you look like a hot chick and you want to get married, I don't care. But you're not, a, you're not a chick. You're a dude. And when we start acting like you're actually a woman, you're choosing to live as a gender that you are not. Even if you have the franks and beans chopped off and some reconstructive surgery done, pop some hormones and get some implants, and you look good enough to win a beauty contest, you're still a man. I understand that you really believe that you're a woman. This is a mental illness. By and large, if the person understands what they're doing, we're not doing this to kids when they're confused at six. A grown-ass adult makes this decision for themselves. It's relatively a harmless mental disorder. The person's probably happier embracing it and living with it. But when we continence it and we try to make like it's normal, well, we can't help but get stupider. You can't really have a society that's dumber than one that can't look under the hood and tell male from female. I know there's some medical anomalies. There's hermaphroditism and stuff like that. But in general, you should be able I'll put it this way. Well, I was a little kid. We had a cat. The cat had kittens. And being a little kid not really understanding, like, well, how are the, which are the boys and the girl? My dad picked the cat up, lifted his little, little kitten with the little kitten tail. So see those nuts? That's a boy. See the absence of those nuts? That's a girl. It is that simple. That's how it works. And when we take something that is even a fairly benign mental illness and we make it out to be normal, and that there's something wrong with you if you don't accept that, we can only end up with dumber people. On top of all this, and fitting right in with the last two, the goal of modern medicine is now to medicate every person from cradle to grave. The day the baby pops out, we're giving them a vaccine that they generally don't need. Your newborn's not going to get hepatitis. Doesn't need to be vaccinated and have their immune system shocked. Five minutes out of they come out of the birth canal, With a vaccine. Doesn't need to happen, but we're going to do it. It is part of systematizing medical intervention in the lives of people. Little Johnny goes to school. He's a six-year-old boy. He doesn't want to sit down in his chair, throw some Ritalin in his ass, or whatever new drug they have now. That'll fix him. Now, once little Johnny goes on whatever drug they put him on, how long is he going to be on it? If you ask the average doctor, they will honestly tell you for the rest of his life. So if we can get enough little Johnnies and little Susies on, you know, Ritalin and Adderall, et cetera, well then, you know, we just have a recurring income stream for the pharmaceutical industry. Now, I don't necessarily think that the pharmaceutical industry does that to dumb you down. But I think if we suppress the natural attributes of human beings through psychotropic drugs, drugs, we are going to dumb people down. Now, I know I'm going to get an email from somebody, my little Johnny really does have ADHD and his life is so, okay, fine. If you're not full of shit, and you may not be, you are the 1% of the people that have their kids on this dope. I do believe there's a small segment that really are helped by this, but that won't pad the bottom line enough for the pharmaceutical companies. So their goal is to get every American on multiple drugs for their entire life. And why? The same reason that I gave you for expanding the inventory of advertising. Once you have enough drugs being sold and you're Merck or Johnson & Johnson or whatever, the only way you can do more is to either get more people taking drugs or sell more drugs to the people already taking them. And the goal of industry, especially in the Western world, is what? Continued growth. A corporation cannot be judged successful in our economy if their sales next year aren't bigger than their sales this year. So how is that going to happen? You either raise the price or you push more drugs. So if we are constantly drugging our people when they are not in need of medication, we're going to end up with dumber people. Next, our food is toxic. In the wealthiest nation that's ever existed, the majority of the food that people consume is toxic in one way or another. We have corn and soy in almost everything, your tax dollars make it cheap for the food companies to use it in form of subsidies, so your money is taken to feed you crap. We have corn syrup put into food that has no need of a sweetener at all. That corn syrup and that soy protein that's put into all these foods is sprayed with herbicides that can only go on them because the food is genetically modified. Yep. We genetically modify it so we can spray toxins on it. that are actually taken up into the food, cannot be washed off or removed, and you're consuming things like glyphosate and atrazine and other chemicals. You're consuming herbicides. You're consuming insecticides. And the amount of carbohydrate the average person eats in of itself is toxic. And there's sugar and sweeteners and everything. Again, even things that have no need because it's so cheap. You might as well. That adds another thing. When you take sugar and fat and put them together, you have, because of the way we evolved to survive with the absence of all this type of crap, when you're actually in the wilderness and you have to survive season to season, we evolved in a way that makes that combination addictive. So the corporation, whether it wants you stupid or not, knows if I combine these things into my food, I can make it super cheap and super addictive and sell more of it to the point where we have a society where the poorest people in our society are morbidly, disgustingly obese. It used to be if you were poor, you were skinny. That was the one thing you had going for you. Now the poorest people in our society are the fattest people in our society. And how can you not have a society where people get stupider when that's the case. When people are eating toxic food and the most impoverished are the most obese. Next, people have been convinced that education credentials equal intelligence. A person with a bachelor's degree must be smarter with a per- than a person that, let's say, didn't even complete high school. That sounds right, is it? We have a society now where anybody who wants to can go to and get through college, even if they're stupid. We have educated idiots all over the place. That doesn't mean that everybody that goes to college is an idiot. That doesn't mean that no path through college is difficult. Some are extremely difficult. But that means almost every college has a path for the stupid people to take simply because that stupid person represents a dollar sign in the form of guaranteed government loans so much so that colleges have actually done this. Do you know this is true? This has been true for a while my son's 30, and when he went to college, I learned this, and I was like, oh, my God. The lower your class rank, the lower your SAT scores can be to get into college. Do you get that? If you like, graduate in the bottom 25% of your class, you can have SAT scores that are low enough that the person in the top 25% with the same SAT scores would not get in. They have lowered the standard for people that meet a lower standard because of one reason, and one reason only, that person has guaranteed revenue attached to them. So when we are graduating people through university-level courses who come out unable to literally do anything constructive for society, and we convince people that those people are quote-unquote smart, you can't help but have a lower common denominator. Next, we have people have been taught to be proud of who they are versus what they accomplish. I'm proud to be Texan. I'm proud to be white. I'm proud to be black. I'm proud to be an American. Listen. You get no pride if you are a logical sane person over what area you were in when you were expelled from a birth canal, and you should get no pride over the color of your skin or the lack of color in your skin. You didn't do anything to earn it. There's no pride in existence. I'm proud to exist. That's basically what you're saying, and... The fact that some of these things are bothering you when I say them because you kind of like, well, it kind of, I, don't know. I don't mind being proud to be from Texas. Well, I moved here. At least I get credit for it. If you were born here, I got more. Think about that. I'm proud to be a Texan. I'm not really because it's just where I live. I like my state. That's why I choose to live here. But for a lot of people to say, oh, I'm native born, so you didn't do shit. Your parents just had you here, and you are too lazy to leave. I didn't want to leave. Okay, fine, but you don't get credit for it. I hopped my ass in my car when I was out of the army, 21 years old, drove my ass here with 400 bucks in my pocket and made my life. And I'm not proud to be Texan. I just like being Texan because it's not an accomplishment to be in a Texan. If you live in Oklahoma, you literally can become a Texan in a day with no real effort. If you want to be in Oklahoma for whatever reason, you can go from Texas there. There's no accomplishment in where you live. But what business you build, that's an accomplishment. Your ability to teach other people, that's an accomplishment. Your ability to build something of significance, that's an accomplishment. Your ability to change the life of another human being for the better, that's an accomplishment. Right? Those are accomplishments. If you actually do go to school and you do something that's difficult... That's not a guaranteed pass for showing up, like basket weaving degrees or whatever. And you you come out of school with like a a degree in high-level engineering, that's an accomplishment. You should be proud of that. The fact that two people chose to have sex and one of them popped you out is not an accomplishment. It's not an accomplishment. Where you went to school, I'm proud to be a beaver or whatever. That's not an accomplishment. You grew up there. You went to school. Who cares? No one gives a shit. By the way, all of you that just graduated from high school, not an accomplishment. It's something the majority of people do. You have to try really hard to fail at it. It's just something that happens. It's like being proud that you learned how to walk. Now, if you, if you trained so that you can go win a marathon, you've accomplished something. The fact that you can jog is not an accomplishment. If you were told you would never walk again and got your ass up with pure gumption and determination out of a wheelchair and taught yourself to walk again, that's an accomplishment. Being popped out, ready, willing, and able to learn how to walk, not an accomplishment. Any of that bothers you. You've been brainwashed by this bullshit that's dropping the denominator. You haven't accomplished anything. And most of the people in our society have been patted on the back, handed a trophy, given a ribbon, told they're a special little snowflake, and ain't done shit. And when we have a society where that's considered normal and acceptable and saying the things I'm saying isn't, you can't help but have a dumber society. You can't. Next, the role of government has become keeping us safe instead of the protection of rights. I hear statements that it's their job to keep us safe. It's the president's job. I hear these statements all the time. Way back when I was in high school, we're talking the 1980s. Do you know how often I heard somebody say the words, the job of the government is to keep us safe? Never. No one ever said that. If you said that, they would have looked at you like you were an idiot. What are you talking about? The purpose of government is to ensure that rights are not infringed upon. Not to keep us safe. The government can't keep you safe. You can walk out the door tomorrow and a travel truck can run off the road and run your ass over. No amount of regulation or law is going to prevent the inevitable if that's your fate. You can't be kept safe. Life is dangerous. Living is dangerous. Every breath you take could be your last. It's not the job of government to keep you safe. It's not the job of government to keep your children safe. It's your job to keep your children safe. Well, gee, if we can convince people government's supposed to keep us safe, I'm a grown-ass man. Well, geez, I guess I should keep my kids safe, too. Gee, now I don't have that responsibility anymore. And we have a dumber society. This is probably one of the most insidious things that's been done. And it is executed by the mainstream media, who is part and parcel to all of this. I guarantee you, you can't go a week if you are foolish enough to listen to the news for at least a couple hours a day. And not hear at least one time the term, keep us safe. I guarantee you, if you could transport yourself back to 1985 and listen to every bit of news media that was put out for a week straight, you would not one time hear that it was the job of your government to keep you safe. That one little thing, and I know you could try to make a case for it. Well, that's what the Army's for, for defense. Yeah. Not when it permeates every aspect of your life. We were warned by this by a founding father, were we not? Were we not? I won't even quote it. Either you know it, or it'll fall on deaf ears at this point. And then, the concept of settled science has turned science into a religion. And obviously the place this has been done the most is with the whole global warming narrative. See, and here's the thing. I don't care what you believe about global warming. It's real. It's, it's worse than they say. It's not as bad as they say. It's all bullshit. It doesn't matter. The concept that dissent equals denier is anti-science. The entire point of science is that everything that we think we know is supposed to be pulled at and torn at and attempt to be disproven as many times as possible that the people that attempt to disprove things either eventually do so or they confirm them. And when we are afraid to allow people to attempt to disprove something, no matter what it is, again, I know where you're going to gravitate toward is the concept of global warming because it's so programmed into you. There's a reason they call all the shit on TV programming, by the way, and there's a reason it's also how you make a computer do what you want. least think about that. But the fact that we even use the phrase settled science when we're talking about theories can't help but make society stupider. Because what that means is that the really big questions in life can be solidly answered forever and always, and questioning them is wrong. And the programming there is exceedingly dangerous. There are so many things that the most brightest minds in the world believed to be true 50 years ago or believed to be impossible 50 years ago that we now know are either untrue or highly possible. And it is the people that attempted to prove it wrong that did so. There are also things that we are like 99% certain of, maybe 99.9% certain of. And they have mostly been confirmed by people attempting to prove them wrong. When we start shouting down dissent, rather than allowing dissent to do its job, which is either to confirm or disprove that which is being dissented against, we have reached a level of incredible, supreme stupidity. Because the one thing, the one thing that I learned about in school that was the most valuable to me was the scientific method. Because it didn't just apply to science. It applied to life. I think this thing is true based on all of this information that I have. Now I need to test it, observe the feedback, and draw a conclusion from that feedback, including everybody says this can't be done. Everybody says a man can't get into a car with a $30 tape recorder and build a six-figure income with a stupid thing called a podcast in 2008, but I'm going to see if I can do that shit. And how many other things in life and how many other accomplishments in life have people done when someone said, that can't be done, that's not possible, that thing we already know is true, this thing is wrong, and somebody said, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. You can't make a computer that people can carry around in their pocket that will replace 99% of the gadgets people use today. Today we call it an iPhone or an Android. There's so many things like that. And we are literally hurtling into the black hole of the idiocracy when we take away that concept that everything is always to be challenged. And those who challenge things should be celebrated even when they fail, because when they fail, at least they confirm what we believed. So, how do we fight the current stupidity? How do we we change this for ourselves? I want to start out with... The majority of people won't, okay? I want you to start the everything I'm about to give you. I want you to think about it this way. You just took a walk up a hill. You found this hill, never knew it was there. You walked up the hill, you asked a few people that were on the hill, who owns the hill, and they're like, nobody, anybody can go up here, do whatever they want, take whatever they want. And most of the people like walk like 50% up the hill, 75% up the hill, and you're like, I want to see this at the top of this hill. So you walk your ass to the top of the hill, and you look around the top of the hill, and there's like hundreds and hundreds of gold bars. And you pick one up, and it's friggin' heavy. Have you ever picked up a big bar of gold? But it weighs a lot. It's heavy. It's not the heaviest element, but it's heavy. It's heavier than lead. And you're like, I don't want to carry all this shit down here if it's not really gold, so... You pick one up and you lug it down the hill. And you go to a, a, a jeweler or a pawn shop or whatever, and oh, I found this gold. Is it really gold? I'm not sure what it is. And they, oh, it's real gold. You go, well, how much is that bar worth? And they say something like, oh, 50000 bucks. And now you realize at the top of that hill there's literally millions and millions of dollars in gold bars waiting for you to go back up there. Now, being a person who realizes there's no way you could possibly carry all the gold bars down. And being a person that believes that somebody should do at least a little bit for the things that they're given in life. You go tell your friends, hey, check this shit out. Look at this gold bar. They go, wow. You go, There's a hill over there. At the top of that hill is a whole shitload of these. I can only carry like two or three of them at a time down the hill. You can't get a car up there. You have to walk. I'm going back. Do you want to come with me? And I say, well, I don't know. Is it really up there? How long are you going to try to drag them with you before you say, see ya? And you start hauling ass up and down that hill, getting as much as you can. Sooner or later, some people will follow you. But you can't drag anybody up the hill, nor should you. I want you to think that way about the corrective action that we're going to cover now. Number one, you must verify information and examine every side of every issue if you're going to base anything in your life on it. It's important to also determine, like, does this matter? Like, if you're going to start making decisions... For thinking a certain way, because this thing is X, then you need to examine, is it really X, or isn't it? What are the counter views to this? Even if those counter views are counter to everything that you intrinsically believe, you have to critically examine them. So in the end, you'll be like, you know what? I now am more sure than ever of what I thought, or... I think I'm right, but I could be wrong about this. I need to know more. Or, wow, I was wrong. But blindly accepting something because it matches your perception bias is the way we dumb down society. So you have to start verifying every piece of information that you're actually going to incorporate in your life. Now, if somebody tells you, like, Khloe Kardashian's favorite color is blue, not black, even though you always, when you see a picture of the Kardashians, they're in black. If you don't give a shit, you don't need to verify that. I'm just being—I'm pulling some random crap out of left field to make my point. But if you're going to become convinced, for instance, that it's very important that you vote, you should do like a mathematical analysis and see it'll matter if you don't. And then if you're going to vote, you should know why you're voting, because you feel like it, because it's cathartic, whatever it is, but you shouldn't believe that mathematically you matter, because you don't. It's like believing in a tooth fairy. Come on, let's do a little math and figure this out. No, you don't. It's okay. But it's okay to do it. It's okay to do whatever you want. But you need to examine and understand why you're making the decisions that you're making. Next, realize, right in concert with this, that 95% of what people think is important isn't. It really isn't. You know, I went on vacation. The little wisps of news that came in, like, the whole world is falling apart. Are we going to go to war with Iran because they shot down a robot? Like, is that, what we're, is that what's going to happen right now? But you know what? I was on vacation, so I'm like, ah, there's not much I can do about it. I'm not going to determine whether or not Donald Trump, the orange band, bombs somebody or not. He's going to make that determination. Is he going to listen to sane people or John Bolton? I don't know. But I know that if I stop in the middle of my vacation that I'm really enjoying with my wife and write a letter to Donald Trump, I might as well just take a crap in the ocean. In fact, it will have a bigger impact. of what people think is important, and sometimes even when it's important, your response to it really isn't that important, to whether it's going to happen or not. Your response to how you live your life based on it, that's what's important. People spend most of their time in that circle of concern, and they spend most of their time worrying about things as if what they think is going to change the way things are. What really matters is what they do, and the meaningful actions they take. See, a lot of people are also taking 95% of their actions either are counter to their interests, or simply don't do anything for their interests. Effective In people, 95% of what they do moves them closer to a goal. That's where you need to be. Next, you need to make your life a series of learning projects. This is the the, the, the most efficient weapon that you have against the dumbing down of society and being drugged into the black hole of the uh, idiocracy. You know, one of the alternatives to a traditional college education I've brought to you guys recently is a thing called Praxis. And I, I think if I were 19 again, you would have to use dynamite to blow me out of a Praxis program. That would be where I would be. If you have a person that's just exited high school in your life or looking for what to do with their career that's young, and they're willing to work really hard for a year to change their entire life, you need to get them over to Praxis. And Praxis is like this boot camp slash internship program but everything that you learn as you go through the program and practice is based on a project you need to do this thing and you need to know all the ways you and all the things you need to know to get this thing done so then you complete this project and you document it and it becomes basically your resume I needed to learn how to do graphic design and this is what I did and this is what I came up with I needed to learn how to program and this is what I did and this is what I came up with Etc. Instead of a a school project where you're turning in a report, you're actually doing a thing. And the thing is, and Praxis is even honest about this. You can do everything they do, except for all the support and connecting you to a company and getting you an internship, right? For free, they even give like basically all the information is there. You can go get it. Well, not everybody needs a Praxis, but everybody needs to add skills to their life, to add knowledge to their life. And if you think about what TSP has been and how I've taught and shared with you guys over the years. I've made my life a series of learning projects. You guys wanted to know more about aquaponics. I brought some subject matter experts and all on. But when I was really able to do more with aquaponics for you, I I got a person to come help me build a system, and then I took it over, and then I changed it, I modified it, and I made it my own, and all of a sudden I'm building my own systems. And now I can talk to you about it with complete authority and understanding because I've actually taken on the project of learning to do it. And so many things that I've taught on the air over the years, I've either done that and talked about it as I was doing it, or I did it in the past and that enabled me to talk about it to you now. When it came to bettering my career, I just decided I was going to figure out how to get a better job without a degree. So I created a project of learning how to do that, how to sell myself. That's what you guys need to do. Like, And, and so many of you are. That's what makes. That's what makes what I do worth doing. If you guys didn't do the shit you did, I would have quit this a long time ago. I guarantee, I don't know what I would do, but if I didn't love the shit out of what I do, there's something I could be doing to make more money right now. But I love what I do, and mostly I love what I do because I see this audience constantly following this rule. Going out, deciding I want to know how to do this thing, doing it, and in some way documenting it. Because that's leadership. All right? Let me, let me explain to you what leadership is And the thing that really takes teaching and makes teaching also leadership. Real leaders do three key things. They teach, they correct, and they demonstrate. If you can do those three things, you cannot just be an exceptional teacher. You can be an exceptional leader. When I had soldiers under me in the military, I taught them to do a thing. I corrected their inefficiencies and I demonstrated how to do it. Right down to, I'm telling you how to shine your boots, but look at my boots. You're not going to learn from a higher up in the military. And they don't shine boots anymore. They have new boots now. But back in my day, we actually shine boots. You can see your face in them. I couldn't go telling some new guy how to shine his boots if I had dingy ass boots, could I? When I go out and I teach someone how to shoot skeet, i knock a few birds out of the air first, so they know I'm not full of shit. The guy that was a coach to Michael Jordan couldn't play basketball as good as Michael Jordan, but he could play basketball. I promise you. That's the key, is that if you want to be a leader and a teacher, you have to teach, correct, and demonstrate. But when it comes to making your life a series of learning projects, you get to be your own leader and your own teacher. And that means you have to do those things in your own life. You teach yourself by gathering the information and applying it. As you're going through it, you receive feedback. This worked, this didn't. This could be better. So you correct yourself. And in that very sequence of events, because you just don't tell somebody how to do it and watch them, you are demonstrating as you're learning. And that puts one more responsibility on you in these projects, and that's to be your own commander. You're after the one that says, you know, get up off your ass and go get it done. When it comes to work, your manager will fire you if you don't turn in your weekly report. When it comes to school, if you don't do the work, you get an F. I guess not always anymore, but in most cases you'll fail. you certainly get a worse grade. In most things in life, there's someone there to be that commander, to be that drill sergeant, to say, here are your consequences if you don't do this thing that you're supposed to do. But when it comes to self-directed learning, there is no one. And seldom do we notice the real consequence. We don't learn. We don't advance. And what do I teach you guys all the time? Life is not a sliding scale. Either you are advancing your liberty and your independence, you're either advancing the things that you want in your life, or life's moving you backwards. And you're getting less of them. That's the consequence. So stand up, be that leader. Teach yourself, correct yourself, and demonstrate for yourself that you can indeed do the things that you want to learn how to do. Next, if you have children, you need to challenge your children. You need to challenge them. Here's the important thing, and this is very hard for parents to do. You need to teach them to challenge you back. There is nothing wrong with your kid actually getting better at something than you are and making you work a little harder. A lot of people teach their kids how to play chess, and they realize that maybe they aren't as good at chess as they thought they were. Maybe their kid is the next Bobby Fischer. It don't matter whether it's fishing or how to shoot a rifle or playing chess. Doesn't matter. And it also is about challenging your kids to be able to do more. And when they get a little little bit of a little bit of a mouth on them and talk back at you a little bit, you want respect. But if your kids are challenging you back, come on, step up. Do at least as good as your kids think you are. You know, there's an old saying, I strive to be the man that my dog believes me to be. Well, let's extend that a little bit. Strive to be the man that your children believe you can be. Strive to be the the, the woman that your children believe that you can be. And that goes back to what we just talked about. Teach, correct, and demonstrate yourself. But challenge your kids. Because the only thing that saved my ass in this world of having such a screwed up family that I grew up with is at least there were people in my family that challenged me. They challenged me enough that I could fail and be okay with failure. Not by, "Ah, you'll get them next time, but like, hey, how are you going to fix this? Challenge your kids. Develop your pattern recognition. This is something we talk about infinitely on this show. Once you recognize patterns, like the pharmaceutical marketing pattern, you realize like, Oh, well, they don't use jingles, but this industry does the same thing. Oh, wait. It's all false promise bullshit bolstered up by overly happy crap. Probably doesn't work. And What they really care about is my money, so I should just figure out what I need and find the best thing to meet my needs instead of listening to the TV tell me what will make me happy. Once you develop pattern recognition, you hear a politician speaking. You go, let me tell you what the next sentence is going to be. And damn it if you're not right. Right? I mean, it's so powerful. And it's intrinsic. That's why, like, if you've ever been to a place where it's like like four on-off light switches on a, on, a, on a single plate, and all the lights are off, but maybe there's two switches, and somehow things got topsy-turvy, and three of those switches are down and one of them's up, Uh, I want that to go away. It's a little OCD-ish, but almost everybody does it. It's really bad if it's the third switch that's up. If it's the last one or the first one, it's a little more, because we recognize patterns. We have up, down, up, down. That's altering. That's okay. Weird, isn't it? But that's just because we see pattern. We see pattern. We... To get stuff actually spaced evenly, let's say we had 20 items and we all wanted to be 18 inches apart. To get them 18 inches apart, we kind of need to measure whether we get really good at taking a step at 18 inches or whether we have a you know a yardstick and we can measure 18 inches and another 18 inches and move the yardstick. Whatever it is, we kind of need help to get the spacing. But be a little bit off... In one of those items, step back, tell me you don't see it. Tell me, like, that one's a little too far. Why? Because we recognize pattern. So if we just apply that pattern recognition to all the bullshit in our lives, that 95% of stuff that's not important, we identify it quickly, and we waste very little time on it. And therefore, we don't get sucked into the black hole of the idiocracy. Next, learn to work systems to your advantage. There are some components to the machine that you cannot avoid or that you cannot avoid until you get yourself to a certain point in life. There was a lot of corporate bullshit that I had to be part of when I was younger before I built my own thing. I learned to work that system. This is the beauty of this. Since most people are freaking part of the idiocracy, since most people just do whatever they're told to do, since most people wait to be told what to do next, The few people who are able to recognize the pattern, understand the system, and figure out how to work the system can own everything. Sometimes I hate talking about myself too much. I feel like I'm bragging. But I can only talk about what I know. And all I can tell you is when I was in my my mid-20s, it was like if you looked at the chain of command in a company, I was like below the middle. I was still a leader in the company to the point where I ended up almost taking the damn thing over. Why? Because I recognized the pattern, I understood the system, and said, oh, these are the things that you need to do to shortcut. Not okay, See, this is a problem. People look at the system. The system says, step A, step B, step C, step D, step E. And if you want to be the head of this department, here's the things that you need to do. And the person recognizes the pattern and goes, wait a minute. I know you said that, but I keep seeing the people way up here at the top come in from the outside. Huh. Well, what were they doing before they got here? Inevitably, you find out they were at your level. They moved over to move up. And you said, maybe I should stop following this little pattern you gave me and follow the pattern you're demonstrating, which is the guy that's on the outside that you want to bring in that you feel that you really need is worth more to you because you don't already have them. You can't take them for granted. So maybe I can't move all the way up, but maybe I can move over and up one level and do it in a year instead of taking three years to do it. Now I've shortcut that. Well, now I've also learned how to get more out of where I'm at, to get more experience, to be able to maybe embellish, and just simply be more accurate with my resume. And my next move is up two steps. And in two years, I'm able to do what you said I could do in five, but most people never do. Now, I couldn't do it your way, but I found my own way. That's learning to work a system. This is why I say when it comes to your kids, you should be giving your kids systems with loopholes. So By that I mean, like, my kid had an allowance when he was when he was young. And he had certain things, like if he got all his chores done for a week, there was a potential bonus. He did it for a month, there was a higher bonus. And I had basically almost like a 401K for him. Like, if he would put a certain amount into a specific type of savings we had set up for him, then I would match it so he could work that system. He also had a system where if he didn't do a job, not only did not he get paid, but he had to pay me to do it, but that also meant that, like, he could work it out to where he could still make a decent monthly income and not get everything done. And then maybe if he could talk a friend into doing one of his chores for him, I didn't really care who did it, I just cared that it got done, and eventually he snapped it out, so he learned to work that system. One of my good friends, David, um, has a son who is kind of being trained to not just, bend and break rules, but literally rape the rules. He was tasked in school with building a house, like a little miniature house, from recycled material, and then the teacher was going to test it by subjecting it to all different types of stresses and trying to basically break it. And the rule was that all the material in the uh, thing had to be recycled. So he broke up concrete. Turns out you can recycle concrete and make concrete dome, basically like... I think he used like a coconut shell as a uh, a mold, made a concrete dome with a hole in it, and here's my house. Of course, the teacher says, that's not recycled material. And he says, oh, yes, it is. And when he goes to his dad and bitches, his dad says, you need to go get the information to prove to your teacher that we really do recycle concrete. Turns out, recycled concrete is the most recycled material in the world. Hmm. Interesting. Kid got an A kid raped the rules. That's not what he was supposed to. But he understood the system and he worked it. This, this kid's probably going to end up being a supervillain someday, <laughs> and I'll be proud of knowing. But that's, that's what we need to be doing is learning to work systems and teaching your kids to work those systems to your advantage as well. Next, don't join a tribe, political or otherwise. Now, I actually have been sharing the show notes in the chat on MeWe for the Survival Podcast Hangout there. And someone said, they need to do, you know, if you've ever seen the meme, or like the superhero guy, and he's like like freaked out, he doesn't know what button to push, you know, and it's like this button or that button, and they conflict with each other. Spearco says, don't join a tribe, but join the Survival Podcast tribe. Which one is it? It's really not the case because tribalism. Is where we take a belief system to the point of a religion. So for instance, if you join the political left tribe, but you say something I said earlier like, no, no, if you're born with a penis, you're a man. You're not, you're not really a woman inside. You just think that you are. It's okay. Like all of a sudden you're kicked out of the tribe. You have to conform to the tribalism. When you look at what the community that is the Survival Podcast has become and the subcommunities, we're like a nation. In fact, in some ways, I think maybe we're a stronger nation than, than most nations with actual borders and laws and lands today because we accept that we will not all agree. You're not kicked out because you disagree. And see, that's what America has become. It's bifurcated into this false dichotomy of two tribes. And therefore, whichever side you align most with Because it's tribalism, you have to align fully with it, and it doesn't matter which one you pick. You will have to defend things that you know are wrong if you pick either side. Now, based on your own moral code, your understanding, your walk in life, you may counter that with, if I pick the other side, I'll have to do more of that shit. You might be right. But if you pick either side, (laughs) we're just back to this now, trying to avoid becoming part of the lower common denominator. If you pick either side, you will have to knowingly defend things that you disagree with. You You will have to, or you will not be accepted. Any voicing of moderation in the position, once you join a tribe, will result in your expulsion or assassination by said tribe. And, and, and people point to the left all the time, and I agree they're terrible about it. So is the right. So is the right. Go tell somebody on, in the right tribal world that we should cut military spending. Go tell See what happens. See what happens. See what they say to you if you tell them that, that we spend too much money on the military. Even though, that like, if you take the other eight largest militaries in the world and combine their budgets, we outspend the other eight top militaries in the world – Go tell them that, and they will eviscerate you. And you can pick a lot of other positions that you "Eh, that's not quite right. Go tell them that building a wall with taxpayer dollars is socialism and see what that gets you. It is. (laughs) It absolutely is. Both sides will eviscerate you with a Marode's argument if you tell them we don't need government in our lives. Because it's tribal. Nations are not tribal. Nations are 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 bound by common morals, but then people are entitled to different opinions, and we can accept each other because we have the same core belief system. But then what we choose to extrapolate from those beliefs is individual. And basically, most people, when they think that way, feel this way. You can believe whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. You just can't compel me to be part of it. And then I'm okay with you. If you want to call yourself a woman when you're actually a man, if you want to call yourself a man when you're actually a woman, I'm okay with that. If you want to live with that that way, I'm okay with that. If I don't have to pay for your sex change operation and you you, you can't compel me and make me call you a Z because you're gender neutral or fluid or whatever the hell bullshit you come up with next, as long as you're not trying to make me be part of your shit, I don't care. Do whatever you want. I'll defend your right to do it. But don't make me be part of your stupidity. If you want to get high on dope, as long as you're not stealing my TV set to do it, as long as you're not shitting in my street because you don't have a home, like, I don't care. Go do it. It doesn't matter to me. I don't care. That's actually at their core who most people are. So the way you pull people out of that, because it's very difficult to govern a person that thinks that way. It's very difficult to sell that person on the need for more government. Who thinks that way? Well, you've got to get them in a tribe. Once you get them in a tribe, well, now I've got to defend my side. That's why it is tribalism. Next, determine the things that you most want and put 95% of your effort into getting them. In other words, be proactively selfish. It's okay to be selfish. It really is. We have been taught that selfish is a bad word. No, it isn't. Most people are inherently selfish. They're just, they're just in the wrong direction with it. People do what they want because it's what they want. To, people do what they do because it's what they want to do. It's what they most want to do under the current situation. But if they incorrectly evaluate the situation, incorrectly evaluate what's going to get them what they want, then they spend their times doing the wrong thing. Like being in tribes and yelling at people and being mad about stuff that they have no control over. Worrying about what two people down the road do in their bedroom would be an example. The reason I don't care is because it doesn't help me get what I want. I don't want to control other people. I don't want to tell other people how to live. All I want is to be left the F alone. Again, that's what most people want, but I also want certain things in my life. I want freedom. I want independence. I don't want something going wrong to knock me off the path that I'm on. I want to be able to take care of my wife. I want to pet my dogs. I want to have my fish tanks. I want my aquaponics system. I want my little farm. I want to be able to cater to my ducks. These are the things that I want. I have them because I determined I want these things, and I put my efforts into having them. If you want to be rich, figure out what it takes to be rich and do those things. If you want to be happy, figure out what it takes for you to be happy. Because, see, the things that make me happy might make you miserable, and the things that make me miserable might make you happy. But what are you working on? What are you moving towards? If you put 95% of your efforts into the things you really want in your life, you'll get most of them. It really is that simple. Next, if you don't want to be a little more like a person in your life in some way, don't spend any time with them. Don't spend much time with them. There's some things where, you know, it's a family member or a family friend and you have to be civil and all, but don't hang out with that person. You. Will become more like the people you spend your time with. And there are people that I know, I don't even dislike them. I don't think they're bad people. I think overall they're good people. If they need help, I will help them. But when I look at how they spend their time, what they do with their life, how they invest their dash, and the things they worry about, I don't, I can't find anything where I'm like, you know. That person's a little more charitable than me. I'd like to be a little bit more charitable. That person's a little more thoughtful than I am. That person is a little more even-tempered. If I can't find a couple things that I think, like, when I'm with this person, these are the primary things that I'm going to observe about them, so I can be a little bit better myself. And hopefully there's some things about me that they feel that way about that they can observe and focus on, so that they can be a little bit better than themselves. And unless that symbiotic relationship exists, I'm not spending time with you. Because if I look at your life and go, they're broke, they're miserable, they're focused on shit that they can't change, then by spending time with you, I might drag you up a little bit, but more likely you're going to drag me down. I'm going to become less, less uh, financially well-off. I'm going to become more unhappy. And I'm going to become more focused on the shit that I don't control. Because we really do become more like the people we're with. Why do you think they love public education so much? They get to mix everybody together, and you want to drag the common denominator down? Tell me that's not exactly what happens. Tell me you don't take a kid that's a well-adjusted kid that can have an adult conversation, send them away with a bunch of other kids, some of whom are screw-ups, and that kid doesn't come back just a little more screwed up than he started. That's why they love the current system. It is literally designed so that you will be around people that you don't want to be more like. Well, grow up, and at least where you can make the choice for yourself, don't be around them. Last, I have 30 laws of life. I'm actually working my way through my book on this, Spirico's Laws of Life. They are not all laws I wrote. Okay, It's very important to understand. There are some that... I don't, I've never heard anybody else put them the way that I put them. And I believe they're original. And there are some that are very well known. And there are some that I've learned from very specific people. This one, I could not tell you the original source. It's been said a hundred different ways. But it's Spirit Goes Law of Life number 13. And it's one of the most important things that I try to teach people and, and one of the most core things of how I live my life. And that's what I mean by my laws of life. These are things by which when I find myself breaking these laws... I pull myself back in and say, hold on, that's not you. That's not you. You're being emotionally led or you've been wrapped up into something that you don't understand or you're jumping to a conclusion here. Pull yourself back. You're breaking this law. Follow this law. And then if you end up in the same place, at least you're in the right place. And law of of life number 13 is believe as you wish, but no why you believe what you believe. If you can't clearly articulate why you believe what you believe, and everybody knows is not a clear articulation of why you believe what you believe. I saw this thing that said is not a clear articulation of why you believe what you believe. Being able to explain both sides of an argument, and usually there's more than two, so at least the two main sides of the argument and some peripherals and in-betweens And be able to speak intelligently all around it, and then say, based on all of this, I have drawn the following conclusions, and I will live my life with this belief because I understand why I have it now. Then I don't care what you believe. I honestly don't care if you've come to the exact opposite conclusion that I have. Because I am I am willing to admit I could be wrong. I often say on this show, and I said it a lot in the beginning. I reserve the right to be wrong. I'm not going to come off and say everything I say is accurate 100% all the time and you should do everything I say. I don't want that burden. I don't want When somebody sends me an email and says, I agree with everything you say, I'm like, oh, shit. I need to say something this person disagrees with right now and break them out of this because they are not thinking for themselves. You can't possibly take as many positions as I take and have anybody that agrees with all of them if they're actually thinking. They may even eventually come to agree with you. But if they always agree with you initially, they're not thinking for themselves. Even if you agree, you should still be trying to figure out if I'm right or wrong, especially if you're going to base your life on it. First thing you should say, even from me, well, he's saying this thing, does it affect my life? No. Don't give a shit if he's right or wrong. Yeah, I think it does. Actually, that's important to me. I agree with him. Are we both right or are we both wrong? And identify the, 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 the arguments and the facts behind them and determine whether or not You're really right. And don't ever be afraid to challenge that. Because that's how you actually become firmly rooted in your beliefs. And that's how you become able to have a conversation about them and actually explain them to somebody. Versus the irrational, emotional arguments most people make. Well, everybody knows. Not a logical argument. Not a firm understanding. Everybody knows is not... A legitimate response to a question about what you believe. My final thoughts. Most of this shit is games. Most of the shit in society is political gamesmanship, marketing games, popularity games, keep up with the Joneses games. It's all game. Humans love games. That's why we pay athletes millions of dollars to catch a ball or to hit a ball. Right? Right? or to hit a puck on ice you know to run after a green ball and hit it back with a racket that's why you people make that's why people make so much money because we love games we love to play games some games are worth playing some games are stupid when it comes to society most of the games that people play are stupid that's why we're headed toward the black hole of the idiocracy the movie was supposed to be a comedy not a documentary Yet it sure seems like one. Well, the thing is, you don't have to play their games. So don't. You might work their system here and there where you have to interact with it. Where you have your edge of reality intersect with their edge of stupidity. And I gotta pay the bills, I gotta keep a roof. I understand that. But most of the things people get sucked into, there's no requirement that you be part of their games. So don't do it. Really is it. Society has been dumbed down. And it's been dumbed down at a time where there's no excuse for it. Honest to God, there's a lot of misinformation online, but if you want to know how to do something or whether something's true or not, 99% of the time, in a very short period of time, you can find out the truth and know why you believe what you believe. The danger is you can also convince yourself you're right if you want to by excluding the information you don't want and by selectively gathering the information that reinforces your confirmation bias. But that choice is yours. There's never been a time where information is more accessible and opportunity is more available than right now in 2019. All the bullshit about how much better society was 50 years ago is exactly that. It's bullshit. There's certainly some things that were better. But if you're willing to break from the pack, if you're willing to break from the herd, if you're willing to think for yourself, you are living in absolutely the best time there has ever been to be alive. So let them drop the denominator as low as they want to. As long as you remove yourself from that equation, the lower they go, the greater advantage that you have. Hope you've enjoyed today's show. If you did and you want to help support us, one of the ways you can do that is by doing your online shopping where? Tspaz.com. T-S-P-A-Z.com. Tspaz.com. You go there. You can get over to Amazon and see the deals of the day there, stuff you were going to buy anyway, you can buy that. As long as you go to tspaz.com first, check out the stuff that we recommend, start your search there. You're going to help us no matter what you eventually buy. Today's item is a simple one, so I won't go very long with it. It is a fishing rod. I just got back from fishing for a week out in um, Florida, and I'm going to say, the rod that I'm recommending they didn't use, because they don't make a really good travel rod. I have a... A, a travel rod, I'm really impressed with, but something happened to it. I'm waiting to see how the company handles it before I bring it around for you. But for day to day fishing, one of the best values for the dollar you can get your hand on is the Ugly Stick. Ugly Sticks have been around a long time and they're known as unbreakable. I'm going to tell you, they're not, un- anything can be broken. But when used to their limits, it's pretty much true they are unbreakable. The, but the Ugly Stick Elite line, in my view, this is what you have you have a rod that sells for about 50 bucks. This is a $100 fishing rod. That's called va- value-to-price ratio, and that's what I always look for. The guides are exceptional guides, core handle, everything's very, very well done. The rods are well-balanced. They perform the way, again, that a rod twice their cost it does, and you can get them on Amazon, shipped right to your door. Again, the Ugly Stick, it's S-T-I-K, for those that are uninitiated, elite spinning rods. You can find them at t or just at the survivalpodcast.com Now, I wanted to tell you the story because they say they're unbreakable. They're not. I did see one break once. A place I just came back from, Sanibel Island. And uh, it was a shark. We're pretty sure, anyways. Big shark. I just had my own big shark experience. But I was in a boat where I could chase it. So this dude is there fishing with a medium, heavy, ugly stick. And he's running 100 pound braid. Right? So he can really cinch down this reel. He's got a big old reel on it. He's got his rod and rod holder, and also just starts peeling off. And this is a big fish, right? This is probably several hundred pounds. Probably a big bull shark. And he starts tightening down the drag, and it's it's literally pulling him into the water at this point, because he's got enough drag to hold the fish back mostly. His two friends grab him by the waist, and they're like two guys are pulling on him, and he's pulling on the rod, and all of a sudden we hear BAM! and it broke into three pieces and bloodied his nose, all right? Hopefully he learned from the experience. Hopefully he's not the bottom of the denominator list, right? Um, But basically he had a fish that his gear was incapable of stopping, and it should have been just cut off. Like there was no way you were going to handle this fish, and hopefully he learned a lesson. But that's the only one I've ever seen break. I'm not saying they never break. I'm just saying... Uh, they're pretty damn rugged. Check them out. Again, the Ugly Stick Elite line. And you can always help us by doing your online shopping at tspaz.com. Of course, you can also always help us by becoming a member of the Survival Podcast Member Support Brigade. This is the math behind it. You join, you use the discounts, you get more money back than you spend every year to be part of it. I'll leave it at that today. You can learn more by going to the survivalpodcast.com and clicking on Members. Uh, next up. Wanted to tell you about our song of the day today. Um, In many ways, this song is a very anti-war song, a very anti-establishment song that's very specific. And it's, of course, Freddie Mercury Week. And it's called There Must Be More to Life Than This. But I think that that is very universal, beyond the specifics of the song. And it fits beautifully with today. I think every person who's ever gotten anything they really wanted from life has had that moment in their life that they looked around and said there, there's, there's, there's got to be more than this and the people with the courage to not only hit that moment but then say what is it and how do I get it those people end up getting it sometimes it really is that simple to not just accept the fact that you're not happy you don't have everything that you want you don't even have most of the things that you want but that actually it's up to you to determine whether you get them or not to figure out a path and to take it now back to the specific message of this song it's very meaningful and very real and we do need to change the way that we think Because basically we have turned warfare as a society into a thing that we think about like a sports game. It's fine, we'll win, so what's the problem? The problem is all the people that are going to die and all the lives that will be destroyed just because you don't see it because it doesn't happen here, it happens somewhere else, doesn't make it okay. But even that, even that, you have your beliefs, you say your piece, and you do what you can. But in the end, for most of us, that's all we can do. And we still need to spend most of our time focused on the things that we actually control, that we actually influence, and that actually move us closer to what we want in our lives. With that, it's been Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. Helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Mending all those broken hearts And tending to those crying faces There must be more to life than living There must be more than meets the eye Why should it be just a case of black or white There must be more to life than this Why is so full of hate, people die. i